0: Hey everyone, David Kern here. Welcome back to the show. As you probably know by now, uh, the great uh, writer Cormac McCarthy passed away earlier this week on Tuesday. So we're doing a couple of episodes commemorating him, discussing why he matters and uh, what he means to each of us. In part one, you probably already listened to this, but in part one, Tim and I discussed uh, the the Mount Rushmore of Cormac McCarthy's books. Basically, we we cheated a little bit and talked about the f- the five best books in his canon and then we talked a little bit about what the what his work means to Tim in this episode, you're about to hear a conversation between Heidi, Sean, and I as we digged into. Some more, uh, some more passages that really mean a lot to us, what he has to say for people of faith, McCarthy, that is, and uh, and much, much more. Um, so this is another, about a 45-minute conversation or so. So between these two conversations, we wanted to, to cover um, the the death and, and career and, and life of this really important American writer, who we all think is going to be someone that has read for a long time, even as his work is is pretty difficult. So... Here's part two of our, uh, our commemoration of the life and career of Cormac McCarthy. Hope you enjoy. As always, thanks so much for listening. Okay, this is part two. I'm here with Heidi. I'm here with Sean. and We're going to discuss Cormac McCarthy some more. Anybody who's you know listened through part one, heard Tim and I, which, which you two do not have this opportunity because... It's not been posted yet by the time we're recording. Tim and I, I we we discussed, yeah, we discussed a lot of, a lot of things. And and Tim, of course, is so much affection for McCarthy. So, you know, he was reading passages and, and all that sort of thing. But we talked about the, what is the Mount Rushmore, the proper Mount Rushmore of Cormac McCarthy's books. And what we decided was Blood Meridian, All the Pretty Horses, and the road and then we kind of had a and i don't love the road as much as the people but i think it needs to be on his mountain rushmore who won the pulitzer it's his, yeah. one of his best-selling books and all that and then we had a divide he said suttry uh, and i said no con- he does and i said no country for old men oh yeah um so i'm curious before we get into the rest of this conversation what each of you have as your Cormac McCarthy, Mount
1: Rushmore. You have to choose four books. What are you putting on <laughs> it? Sean, you go first. Well, I, I have to out myself right away as maybe not being as well read in his canon as I wish I was. I think, I think the five books we just named are the five Cormac McCarthy books I've read. So you haven't read uh, the um, earliest ones. The... I haven't read the early ones and I, I never finished the border trilogy. Even. Did you read uh, the crossing? Or just all the pretty horses. Just all the
0: pretty horses. Okay. The and, Crossing uh, has one of the best passages of any of his books.
1: Oh, man. Did Tim read it in part one? No. Oh, man. Maybe you Come should on, read Tim. it tonight. I have you to find it. Right it. I don't know if I even have The Crossing <laughs> near me right now. Uh, but I would, I also, I also really liked Sutri. It's, it's not like any of the other Cormac McCarthy novels that I've read, but I could almost say that about every Cormac McCarthy novel yeah. that I've read. Yeah, uh, I really do like "No Country for Old Men," though. I I might be with you that I would, uh, I might almost put that higher than "The Road," although I've, I I personally really would put Road. it higher than "The Road." Um,
0: I think it's because I think it's just his most novelistic book, and I think that it it does tension and drama and those sorts of things as well as any thriller writer ever has. But then it's also good, you know, God sheriff Ed Tom bell and people like that and Anton Shiger, I mean, what an incredible literary character that is. Yeah. Um, And it's,
1: uh, I mean, I think he even, I think he set out to write the screenplay when he began the novel and, uh, and it, it's very cinematic in the way that reads. And I have, uh, I personally have an affection for novelists who can write like they're looking through a film camera. Graham green, Graham green. Heidi, what about you?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm going with the usual suspects as my top three as well. Blood Meridian by a mile. That book is like magnificent. That's like a magnum opus. Mm. Um, And all the pretty horses, for sure, I'm putting "No Country for Old Men" on there, and then my my last one is a bit of a dark horse. Um, mm. It is a play that he wrote called "Sunset Limited," uh, which was turned into a movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson, and yeah. it's stunning. Like I, it's so good. It's just the two of them talking about whether yeah. God exists. It's and it <laughs> there's such a turn in it. Like it's gripping it's captivating the dialogue's perfect it was i i just think it's it's one of the most thought-provoking other than blood meridian it is the book by cormac mccarthy i guess it's not a book but you know what i mean that it's the yeah. work of, of, of his canon that has been most thought-provoking for me it haunts me like sometimes when i'm laying in bed at night i think about it hmm. so i highly recommend watching yeah. that or reading
0: it have you read that one sean uh i've seen the film Okay, okay. So that was one of the things we talked about, and we went over some of his career and how he how he got started, um, how things turned for him with all the pretty horses and all those sorts of things. Um, what does Cormac McCarthy mean for you, Heidi? Yeah, that just generally speaking. So
2: I'm not. It's funny that you asked that because I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this today, saying I was going to record this episode and what was I going to say because I'm not as I'm not as knowledgeable as you and, and Tim are kind of like you, Sean, you probably even know more than me. Um, but <laughs> no I, um, you're just kind of always down on now? that. We'll just we make just, that. Just That's just an assumption <laughs> <laughs> on my out. part. Um, uh, I, uh, But I think he's he, a couple things. things. Uh, one is that I've for someone who is known as a religious skeptic um and known for his just like the emotional weight of his stories and the like how it's it's so hard to read so hard it's hard like i i've began <laughs> a couple of books I, like i began Sutri I started it because I knew it was just like Tim had this love for it and I couldn't finish it. Like it was just, oh, it's... it's heavy. And, um, or I wouldn't finish it is a better way, a more accurate way of putting it because I <laughs> was just like, it was just hard. Um, and some people don't really have the stomach for it. Right. And that's okay. Cause they're just hard stories. Um, but in spite of that, he's one of the, modern novelist that has like a true searcher's heart like he he wants to know like through his stories he's reaching for he's like he's like he wants to find the meaning right and that's mm-hmm. why his books are so hard he like I always feel like when I'm reading his novels that he's like look at this look at how hard the world can be and can there possibly be hope here? Can there be meaning? And it's like he wants it to be, but he can't quite get there. And he's inviting us into that journey and reflecting our own kind of dark thoughts and doubts. And and that's meaningful. I actually think that's a really worthwhile thing to do. And then the second thing that his work has meant to me is more personal and relational. It's that I feel like it's I've like gotten to know Tim and David more because they love this Mm -hmm. guy and his work and 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 because his because Cormac McCarthy is such a specific kind of author i feel like when you meet people who love Cormac McCarthy you kind of know them because they're the kind of people who would love Cormac McCarthy right and um i have another friend like that too um a really good friend who's just crazy about everything he writes and 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 i'm like i know i can talk to this person they this this person because they love Cormac McCarthy this person has a a capacity for, um, for suffering and for questions that matter.
0: Hmm. hmm. Is it, was it? Is it a man?
2: Yeah. Well, and one of them's you. So <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> do, uh, yeah. Do we? Do yeah. you know? It's like, Sean, him. you do. Yeah. Uh, do you know a lot of? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Nice. And
2: I'm like, if you're the kind of person who loves Cormac McCarthy, like I can have a real conversation with you. Like you're yeah, asking right. good well, he's a, questions th- That's a man about you can life. have a conversation with. Yeah. So I think that that's another thing he's meant to me, to me, so. Hmm.
0: Do you know any women who are huge Cormac McCarthy fans? I don't ask that like as a leading <laughs> provocative question, but like, do you know any? Because I don't know a lot.
2: I, have, I don't know a lot no, of No, I don't. Um, I think he <laughs> is a masculine writer, um, but I think that women who are Paying attention, it would behoove us to kind of develop this stomach for authors like that, because uh, to the to the extent that is appropriate for you, right? Because they're good questions in life, and it's a I mean it's worthwhile to even enter into a more masculine journey in a novel that's overtly like asking those kinds of questions and and wrestling with that that kind of suffering and that kind of speaking theodicy. of asking questions,
0: yeah. I'm going to regret asking that question because I'm going to, someone online somewhere is going to be like such a sexist question. Of course, there's women who like Cormac McCarthy. Unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, none of
2: those people are on,
0: well, like all of his wives. Yeah. 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 Sean, what's what's your, (laughs) what's your deal with, with, uh, Cormac? What's your relationship?
1: Is it a masculine one or a feminine one? (laughs) It may be a little bit of both. Uh, now that I've heard Heidi talk, uh, because my first answer, the first part of my answer, is really the same. The and I came to, I came to Cormac McCarthy at an impressionable age, where I was also uh, doing a lot of searching and seeking, and uh, and so I I can sympathize a lot, and I, I have a great affection for Cormac McCarthy because uh, you can read an individual novel by any by any author and not know for sure what you've learned about them uh, but all of the McCarthy that I've read uh, gives this impression as Heidi said of of some sort of earnest desire or for, uh maybe something as as general as meaning. <laughs> But more particularly, uh, some sort of meaning or significance to uh, the suffering that we have to endure in this life. Uh, we're we're all preparing for the Close Reads Retreat coming up and reading a lot of the Brothers K right now. And uh, I thought Who, a
0: Dostoevsky, huge influence on McCarthy, by the way. Yes, right. He, one of his he favorite calls, books is
1: Brothers K. He calls Brothers K, yeah, one of the greatest books and uh and there's so much in in the character of Ivan in Brothers K that makes me, that reminds me of uh McCarthy he seems like one of those who really wants certain things to be true and uh struggles deeply uh with being able to believe that those things are in fact true uh and seems to do so so palpably that i think we talked about this uh uh, in exchanges earlier this week, but I was truly moved and grieved by the news of his death. Uh, there are plenty of authors that I enjoy, uh, but who I could, I could, <laughs> God help me, I could hear about their passing and uh, and not think too much about it. Ah, well, yeah, lost another one. You know, well, we're uh, living through, I was telling saying this to Tim on the other part of this. Where it hit,
0: a lot of the writers from the mid century who to kind of define the last fifty to sixty years of American literature are very old now and they're and That's they're right. you know martin Amos and a lot of other people are just it's just that time you know it's yeah. the cycle of life I mean to put it over simplistically
1: <laughs> yeah, and so for McCarthy to lose McCarthy was not just to lose a a great perhaps the great uh, American writer of the last however many decades but uh but to learn that someone uh so conflicted uh but so desirous of uh meaning and truth uh to be transcendent and not just uh you know originating inside each one of us and and doomed to end in something dark and sad and uh and nihilistic uh to learn to learn of uh the death of a man like that is uh sobering and uh moved me to pray for for Mac mccarthy uh more artistically or technically i've i've always really enjoyed mccarthy's style because he is able to write about big ideas without writing idea novels uh Hmm. McCarthy's McCarthy's novels are kind of like big poems. They're very concrete, uh, but somehow they still manage to speak about big ideas or transcendent themes uh, without without any sort of allegory, uh, without any sort of didactic preachiness. Uh, they are about one thing uh a a concrete uh specific character or conflict or whatever and yet uh he's able to uh, through the just the speech and the actions of his human characters uh, introduce and deal with a lot of cosmic human problems Mm. uh, which is a a gift that i really appreciate (laughs) it also though allows enough ambiguity for people to talk a lot about his work uh, and disagree about his work in fruitful ways because there's, um, there's no one obvious answer or interpretation to some of the questions that he's raising mm. or some of the problems that he's posing. That's a great point. So, Heidi,
0: as somebody... Let's talk about like people that have trouble with mm. McCarthy. Mm. Um. We did All the Pretty Horses, which is the, one of the more... Accessible, approachable, yeah. Accessible. I think, in fact, that's even on the book jacket. Like It was reviewed <laughs> as his most accessible work when it came out in 92 or whatever. And he writes those, and he writes No Country, and he writes The Road, and those are all fairly accessible books. Meanwhile, he's got The Orchard Keeper, and Sutri, and Outer Dark, and then he finishes his career with The Passenger and Stella Maris. And all those books are they're kind of out there and they're, they owe more to, you know, to James Joyce and William Faulkner. And you could say that the middle period owes more to Hemingway. Like it's, mm-hmm. he actively changed yeah. his style mm-hmm. when it came uh, to, to blood Meridian. And then again, when he got into all the pretty horses, like he, he changed the way he wrote sentences, um, let alone the way he punctuated and, <laughs> or didn't. So when it, when you're reading these most difficult McCarthy books, like blood Meridian which is uh, accepted by many people to be not just a magnum opus, but one of the great novels ever great novels in American literature. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a book that's hard mm. and it's, it's gr- gruesome and it's violent and um, it's infused with its share of um, nihilistic characters and all that kind of stuff. For people that have a hard time, how, do, how would you suggest that people who want to who say, okay, this great author just died, and they're reminded of his reputation, and they want to know how to dig in, how to start. What advice would you give mm. for them in terms of digging into his canon, right? Like as a project?
2: Yeah, I think that that's a good question. Um, I I think that you hit the nail on the head. Is what 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 makes the novels his novels so? so much of a challenge for many readers it's they're just so violent and you're Mm. waiting like he does a lot of setup for a redemptive moment and then it doesn't pay off (laughs) right and it's yeah
0: he doesn't believe in redemptive moments that's for sure but it feels
2: like in no country for old men is a great example of this like it feels like we're coming to a turning point right like there's all of this setup and we've been Conditions through novels and movies and to to expect that for there there's going to be a corresponding redemption to the depth of suffering that a character has endured. Like the amount of setup is going to have a payoff, right? You're going to have Elizabeth Bennett, you know giving Kath, Lady Catherine her comeuppance in the vegetable patch, right? Um, and 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 it's so satisfying because of that. So he sets us up for something satisfying and then the bottom drops out. And um, not only that, but it's extremely violent for vulnerable characters, not just the guys, you know, not just the gunslingers fighting it out at the OK Corral, but women, children, right? Like weaker characters. And... And then the people trying to sincerely trying to do the right thing often don't don't achieve, don't don't get rewarded for it, and all of that can feel very gratuitous and very hard to bear. Um, and I actually think that's fair. And so if you are a reader who's like, I kind of wanted to get into Cormac McCarthy until Heidi just said all of that, right? I actually <laughs> think that's fair. You don't have to read Cormac McCarthy, but the the the, the thing is, is that all of those things, they're not gratuitous, right? They are, through them, he's giving us the suffering of the world. He's offering it to us because that's yeah. one of the reasons that we read novels is, um, is to understand the world, right? And, 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 and so, with, with Cormac McCarthy, he seems to be just kind of like handing it to us. Like, here is the weight of the world. Oh. What is to be done? right and there is a moral center in all of his novels there's a starting place that um that characters rise and fall from right and 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 that moral center remains through the novel whether the characters are rewarded for doing their duty or not right and and that i think is what probably where all, we all love about him, there's some courage in that as a novelist, to not rescue your characters um, and just let them be there and, and, in, and then inviting us as readers to just sit in that tension and ask the questions like, what do we do with the fact that they're, that, that good people don't always get rewarded and that bad people win and that people suffer? And um, And what do we do with that? Um, in and, and what kind of questions ought we to ask from that and how ought we to live in light of that? And I think he's raising those questions and yeah. we, who we as Christians, um, we as Christian readers, we ought to be the people who can engage with that, not the people who are running from that. And whether that comes through Cormac McCarthy or through other stories, we must be the people who can look at that and acknowledge it in the world and let it be a fallen place without having to rescue it all the time. And if and, and Cormac McCarthy as a skeptic was able to do that, I think that's courageous. And I think we ought to be the kind of people, whether it's through him or somebody else, who can be there in that and still find a meaningful world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that McCarthy has... I mean, I think all that is so, is right. but And I think that you said that we should be the kind of people who can see find a meaningful world in the midst of that. I also think he is writing for us in a lot of ways because he is searching. Yeah. So in the searching, one of the things that that search produces is an appreciation for like certain virtues, for example, like he doesn't say that because you're courageous, you're going to survive or because you're courageous, you're going to win, but he does view courage as a virtue. Exactly. He, he doesn't view, he doesn't, you're not, you know, just because you're faithful or have fortitude doesn't mean that that's, that that you're going to be rewarded for that every time. But nonetheless, that, that virtue is necessary. And it's, it's, there's like a, it's redeeming in its own way for its own sake. You know, there's a line in, I mentioned this earlier in the other episode with, with Tim, which is in no country for old men. And one of my favorite characters in all of his work is sheriff Ed Tom Bell. Who's this old retired oh. sheriff who is trying to figure out who this Anton sugar character is. And he's also trying to protect Lou uh, um, Llewellyn Moss. And, uh, he says, I went and found it earlier. So that when I was, uh, talking to Tim about it. Um, And he says something like, "Um, I think it's more like what you're willing to become. And I think a man would have to put his soul at hazard. And I won't do that. I think maybe now that I never would. And so there's this idea of like, what every choice that we make means something to our souls. And I think that's a really important part of his books. Like being aware that the choices you make are either irreparably harmful or healing to our souls. And that's like, there's a sort of, that's like an essential Dostoevskyan, <laughs> um, even mystical sort of way of thinking about our lives. It doesn't mean that you can, you know, Anton Chigurh in the book says, he says, everything's leading to this moment. Every choice you've made has led to this moment. And now yeah. he wants them to flip a coin. But I think he's kind of like the inversion of what, ed tom bell is saying like it's not just that it's 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 chance that plays out and you make in one choice leads to another in in sort of this random fashion but in the fashion in the sense that you being vicious or virtuous matters and the more people that are acting according to vice or acting according to virtue is what determines the world that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And he is cynical about them, that, that people are going to ultimately choose to be virtuous over vicious because he seems to think that he seems to, he's looking around the world and he's seeing history tells us that people are more likely to be greedy and, and ruthless and all those other things, but that there are some people who are making the right choice and that there is, that that, that there's honor in being virtuous. And he, he doesn't kill off every character who is, is, is virtuous. Mm-hmm he doesn't save them because their virtue is either for the sake to make it easy on us, but no matter whether they live or die, their virtue is worth contemplating. And I think that he holds their virtues. He reflects, he shines a light. Is what I mean to say on their virtues in a world that is dark. It doesn't mean that their virtues mean that they're going to come out on top. In fact, it oftentimes doesn't. And is that nihilistic? No,
2: he's, I do not think he is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love uh, the character of Ed Tom Bell too and one of the things that that uh McCarthy does with him is uh, in the end he he experiences a failure of virtue uh, and McCarthy leaves him alive uh as a result and then we see him sort of mourn his mm-hmm. failure uh and that's also uh the opposite of nihilism <laughs> mm-hmm. uh that sometimes it can be as impactful to have a character lament their failed virtue uh as it can be to to have a virtuous character uh, right because that's also as heidi said there's a that acknowledges some sort of moral starting point that uh we have to fall from and and we all do that right? we all have we all in fact actually have a moral starting point that we fall from uh and uh i i love that 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 novel in particular doesn't end with the triumph of the the wicked character although the, the wicked character does seem to endure and triumph uh but with the sort of uh, yeah, that's a debatable contemplative <laughs> sadness of this yeah well fair enough uh but with the sort of contemplative sadness of uh, of this man who values virtue uh, and knows the the good uh, that virtue is in the world objectively, uh, and then has to come face to face with his own uh, cowardice, right? His own failure to right. act virtuously uh, when when the the real test comes, you know?
2: right? Which is why I picked that novel over The Road. Although I think that. For what David, what you just said, which was I thought just really powerful about his, you know, Cormac McCarthy's kind of assumption that more often than not people will choose, like, to use Christ's words, although he might not, right, the wide road that leads to destruction, <laughs> and then there's a narrow road that leads uh-huh. to life, right? And and that I uh, is overtly explored in the road, like that is that is the conflict mm-hmm. of the road, like in a post-apocalyptic world, what will people live like? and without law right yeah. and and what yeah. will happen to the characters who are um trying to live nobly and protect the innocent and it's not always what we want it to be um and 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 that uh but to your point he seems to conclude it's still worth doing right um and like and I love that mm-hmm. about his novels it's always there's always these characters that like they don't get what they want or they don't get what they ought, right? Their duty or their desire remains unfulfilled. And yet there's, there's still just this, this center to all of them. That's like, and yet it's worth it. Like, it's always worth mm-hmm. it. And, but you don't know why. He doesn't tell us why. He doesn't tie it up and say, it's worth it because you're going to mm-hmm. get the girl or you're going to save your son or you're go- right? Like he doesn't give us that, like, he just yeah. but there's still this at uh, the last page you're like and yet it is better to be like the father than it is like the others, right? Like and and I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's such an that's such an act of faith, right? Yeah. Because we do want we do want our good deeds to be transactional. Uh, we would love for the cosmic justice to be transactional. We do a virtuous thing. And there's a virtuous result as, you know, consequently. Uh, and often, in fact, we have to be doing good for the sake of good, uh, whatever right. the, the outcome for us personally might be.
2: Right. And I don't think he's a nihilist, even though these sad things happen, just in the same way that Yvonne from Brothers K isn't a true atheist. He's not a true nihilist, right? Right. Like he's, he's, right. and that's yeah. what drives him mad is he can't find meaning, even though he knows there is meaning. Right. And I, and I see that same, I love that comparison, Sean, um, that between the two that, um, and there's this honor to that, that he doesn't let it be easy. He doesn't just say right. like, because of the life to come, we can endure all here. And, um, which is, it's worth exploring, that question. Um, Because I think we too easily cut to sometimes, sometimes we Christians just can't let the world be fallen, right? Like we have to skip to the end. We have to skip to the happy ending. Um, And well, that's okay because we're all going to go to heaven someday. And that there needs to be in the honest person's heart, a lament for the fallenness of the world. And, And I think Cormac McCarthy offers that to people of faith as well as speaking for those who don't have faith.
0: There's also something about, you know, you talk about the idea of suffering and I think McCarthy has a lot of respect for, I don't know if that's the way to put it. I'll just, he has a lot of respect for people who look at suffering or the prospect of suffering or the possibility of suffering and make the right choice or, Endure despite that. I think he has a lot of respect for those sorts of characters. And it doesn't mean, by it doesn't mean they win. It doesn't mean they even always um, continue to make the right choice over and over again. Um, but he has a lot of respect for that that virtue. Um, you know, it's interesting because he lived in New Mexico the last while of his life, and one of the reasons he lived there supposedly is because he wanted to hang out with the physicists. Huh. And so all the pe- he would go to like lunch that's like his best friends and his conversationalists were not his conversation partners were not novelists they were writers they were physicists. Mm. And that's kind of telling you know like the idea like that there's this search for something in the universe some sort of like order um that I think shows you know that that instinct shows up in his work even if he doesn't always you know come to the same conclusions that we would at least not obviously. Um, for the sake of time, do you, either of you have a passage or a scene or a book or anything that you want to just point to that you think is particularly that uh, you just enjoy?
1: Uh, I have two that I think of all of the, all of the time I think about <laughs> these two passages. Uh, one is... A, uh, a really bright spot in the midst of a lot of the, you know, the darkness in McCarthy's fiction. And there are, there are so many bright spots uh, that we often forget about it
0: because the some of the conversations so in dark. the road
1: are pretty. Yeah. <laughs> pretty and, amazing. and the, the moment I'm thinking of is when the father and son find the, uh, the shelter, the buried, the buried uh, food stash. And, he shares a Coca Cola with his son for the first time, and uh, he he has to tell his son what Coca Cola is, and they taste it. And it's it's the just, true sign of the apocalypse, right there. Yeah, that's right. But <laughs> I mean, it's just pure elation. Uh, the idea that something so good could have <laughs> could have ever existed, right? And he was Mexican Coke
0: or just regular Coke?
1: Oh man, it's hard to say. At at that point, who cares, right? You've been you've been eating uh, tree bark and mushrooms and garbage, uh, running from cannibals. Yeah, the uh, doesn't matter what kind of Coke it is. It could be new Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't go too far. Maybe yeah, it's a bridge too far. Okay, Uh, but yeah, it was just pure pure joy and delight uh, in this good thing that exists. It's a great it's a great moment. Mm. Uh, The other is the very the last pages of. No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Ed Tom is recounting a dream he had of his own father, and it uh, was very much pregnant with uh, uh, the idea of death. And uh, but his Tim, father has Tim uh, talked know, about that that scene last. Yeah, last one gone on ahead of him, bear, bearing the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I think
0: I, I th- is it the one that begins. I had two dreams about him after he died. I don't remember yep. the first one all that well. Yeah, I've got it right here. You mean to read it? Yeah. Or you got it? Let's do it. Okay, go. You can do it then. I've got something else I'll read.
1: I had two dreams about him after he died. I don't remember the first one all that well, but it was about meeting him in town somewheres, and he gave me some money, and I think I lost it. The second one was like we was both back in older times, and I was on horseback going through the mountains of a night, going through this pass in the mountains. It was cold and there was snow on the ground and he rode past me and kept on going. Never said nothing. He just rode on past and he had this blanket wrapped around him and his head down. And When he rode past, I seen he was carrying fire and a horn the way people used to do. And I could see the horn from the light inside of it about the color of the moon. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead and that he was fixing to make a fire somewhere out there and all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he would be there. And then I woke up. Yeah, Tim.
0: Tim talked about it, reminding him who's of his own dad. Hmm. Yeah, Heidi. Do you have anything?
2: So, one of the most haunting um, images in my mind from Cormac McCarthy is from Blood Meridian. Um, so, um, you know, the novel begins to see the child. Um, and the there's this character in the novel that's just called the kid. Like there's no name to this person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh that like I think all the time whenever I'm witnessing something that ought to be innocent, um, that mm-hmm. that is deformed or stunted in some way um and and turns out to be a monster right um i think of i just always goes through my head that line see the child right (laughs) um and because he's just like a demand right like see the child like see what could have been good and is in fact the monster we're all afraid of right like and and he describes it. um he says see the child he's pale and thin He wears a thin and ragged linen shirt, right? So you're like, oh, the sweet child, right? (laughs) Um, And then he goes on. (laughs) The mother dead, these 14 years old, did incubate in her own bosom the creature who would carry her off. The father never speaks her name. The child does not know it. He has a sister in this world that he will not see again. He washes, pale and unwashed. He can neither read nor write, and in him broods already a taste for mindless violence all history present in that visage a child the father of the man that's so yeah. compelling right and it's i mean, you mentioned sean earlier that um that cormac mccarthy is not necessarily an allegorical novelist right but he comes up with right. these images you know at sunset limited is about a train right this like Train coming through and a train is this liminal force, right? Like it, it, it's movement. And you, when you get on a train, you make a choice on where you're going. And that's the whole point of the story, right? Which train are you going to get on? Um, and, Mm. um, And with the kid, right? This, this idea of the child and the child being the father of a man is very old classical idea. It's one of the reasons why we educate, right? Because the, 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 our children become, um, the child actually is the father of the man. And if you look at it in terms of who the child is, who they become as adults, right? Childhood matters. And, and so, and a child ought to be innocent. A child ought to be pure of heart. And, and in 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 Blood Meridian, he shows us what happens when we squander the opportunity to form children and what they can turn into. And I just mm. find that very haunting. And I just always think all the time, like see the child, that like mm. it's and that that there's that that see the child could go either way. Like it could be see the innocence or it could be see the destruction that we wreak. In children, so that that's always just super memorable to me, and great writing too. Man, carry the child in your unwashed bosom. Like that's
0: that is vivid. I'm gonna read a passage here from All the Pretty Horses. Mm-hmm. This one has been making the rounds on the internet. It's it's an incredible two yeah. paragraphs because I think that what we get here is just um. He knew how to, he was a, he honestly could write beautiful, beautiful sentences and, and, uh, he could write about people interacting in beautiful ways too. So these are two sentences from all the pretty horses that I'm, that I'm going to read. Cause I don't, I don't want, I think that's like something that people don't talk about enough is how beautiful his writing was. Yeah. They kind of talk about how spare and violent and stuff like that,
1: but he was just, Well, it's, he could write whatever he wanted. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the amazing thing. That's true, that's true. He could just he could just change the channel and whatever he wanted to come out would come out.
0: Yeah, there's just not many people like that. I think no. Tim said that he thinks in 200 years we'll still be reading him. I mean, we won't, but people will still be reading him. <laughs> and uh, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, I think I, my theory, I told him this, I think Blood Meridian and and No Country for Old Men will be the books that in 200 years you're most likely to be reading. Like I think mm. uh, No Country for Old Men is almost like his As They Lay Dying. And then you've got, Absalom, Absalom is like his, his blood meridian. is like absolutely, his Absalom, Absalom. Um, one's a little more pop that's going to keep him like a little more popular, a little more readable. <laughs> it's going to be kind of around. More people will read it. And then you've got the one that's like the academic it's book. Still, yeah. The but one's
1: the gateway to the other. Exactly,
0: yeah. So this is from All the Pretty Horses. One of my favorite books. They'd ride at night up along the Western Mesa two hours from the ranch... And sometimes he'd build a fire, and they could see the gas lights at the Hacienda gates far below them, floating in a pool of black. And sometimes the lights seemed to move, as if the world down there turned on some other center. And they saw stars fall to earth by the hundreds, and she told him stories of her father's family and of Mexico. Going back, they'd walk the horses into the lake, and the horses would stand and drink with the water at their chests, and the stars in the lake bobbed and tilted where they drank, and if it rained in the mountains, the air would be close— And then sorry, there'd be close and the night, more warm. And one night he left her and rode down along the edge of the lake through the sedge and willow and slid from the horse's back and pulled off his boots and his clothes and walked in out into the lake where the moon slid away before him and ducks gabbled out there in the dark. The water was black and warm. Um, the water oh, sorry it's like small print here and i keep losing it <laughs> the water was black and warm and he turned in the lake and spread his arms in the water and the water was so dark and so silky and he watched across the still black surface to where she stood on the shore with the horse and he watched where she stepped from her pooled clothing so pale like a chrysalis emerging and walked into the water she paused midway to look back standing there trembling in the water and not from the cold for there was none do not speak to her do not call When she reached him, he held out his hand and she took it. She was so pale in the lake, she seemed to be burning like foxfire in a darkened wood that burned cold, like the moon that burned cold. Her black hair flowing on the water about her, uh, falling and floating on the water. She put her other arm about his shoulder and looked toward the moon in the west. Do not speak to her. Do not call. And then she turned her face up to him sweeter for the larceny of time and flesh sweeter for the betrayal nesting cranes that stood single-footed among the ca- the, the cane on the south shore had pulled their slender beaks from their wing pits to watch micieris she said yes he said he said her name god yes he said i'm not reading this because we need to be like adjudicate the choices they're making here but just the like the the <laughs> writing itself is yeah. is like a Shakespearean. I mean, where he, where it describes her as like a chrysalis emerging and (laughs) like that, that image of the chrysalis emerging or of, you know, some of these images that he uses should be too much. They should not work in a book about cowboys, (laughs) but he takes, he's able to take these like ancient images and it feels like Homer or Shakespeare and put it on the wild west with a 16 year old kid who wants to be a cowboy And like loves horses and he makes it work. And that's, I think it's like a magic to that. Like people have tried to imitate it. That's why people can't imitate it. It's not, people can write sentences that structurally work the same way, but nobody can take images that seem like they don't belong and make them belong. And like, I think that's, that's like poetry. Um, And I, you know, you know, I just think that's, it's beautiful writing full stop. All right, anything else you guys want to add about Cormac McCarthy? I think for
2: people who are wanting, like if we've convinced anybody, right? Like I am I want to read more Cormac McCarthy. Um if you haven't read All the Pretty Horses along with us or if that's the only one you read, like I would think All the Pretty Horses is a really good start. And then like, what do you think next? I think the road. What do you all think?
1: I would say the road too. Uh, it's because it's hard uh, thematically. Like, like a it's lot of, sad. Yeah, it's is sad and brutal at times, but it's also, uh, it's <laughs> it maybe has the most payoff if you're looking for some sort of uh, optimistic conclusion. Uh, and so, if you want, if you want to come out of a Cormac McCarthy novel with a little gas in your tank uh ready to to start another one uh the road's probably good for that
0: I mean I, yeah I agree I think No Country for Old Men is also just like super readable mm-hmm. oh yeah it's, it's like it's very it's very the forward motion it's got you get a lot of momentum it's very tense and and like reading it's like reading a thriller like a super literary thriller and yeah it doesn't yeah, have it's a pleasurable read yeah and you should quick. not start with Blood Meridian.
2: Do not start no, with Blood sorry. Meridian.
0: <laughs> yeah, this guy came into the shop the other day. Yesterday, um, after the news came down, he's like, I need to read some Cormac McCarthy. And he's like, Can people keep talking about Blood Meridian. And I was like, have you ever read anything else by him? And he's like, no, but I read a lot of Elmore Leonard. Okay. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I like that too. But maybe let's do the road or something first. Let me help you out. So he chose, so he chose the road. Um, nice. Tim and I were discussing whether we should do the road on the show next year.
2: I Whoa. I would think so. Like I I think that we should
0: read yeah. definitely read the road on the show. I'm down, let's do it. It's a good one to read. Um, in discussion, you know, in discussion with people, yep. we've been talking, Sean, about how um, the Scarlet Letter. My theory is that it's it's more interesting to discuss than it is to read. <laughs> yeah. And McCarthy is one of those people that's like, boy, that guy. It's, it's so interesting to read, and. Also, so interesting to talk about, and he's just mm-hmm. one of those people that can that does both of those. And I think that's what we're going to lose is mm-hmm. someone who writes novels. So even when you don't love them, they're they're both interesting to read and to discuss. So yeah,
1: there's so much there.
2: I do. Have, I have right, one. Guys, well, I do have one more yeah. piece of advice.
1: One though, final one. Final you get the last this. word.
2: Well, I don't, yeah. I'm Not trying to hijack anything, but <laughs> I just think unless
0: it prompts Sean to say something else, in spite
2: <laughs> of what we have all said, and we have vehemently said to read Cormac McCarthy. Um, like a great mistake in reading Cormac McCarthy. And we talked about this when we did all of the pretty horses, but a great mistake in reading him is that in, in spite of all that we said, it is a mistake to try to find the faith in Cormac McCarthy. Like you will be disappointed. Right. He's not a secret Christian. Yeah, And that is really important well to, as you're going through, there is a moral center. There are all the things that we said but what remains is there. There is a there is a, a there is a vacancy. If what we're, you're looking for is, I want to find out that he's some kind of secret Christian. It's not there.
0: If you're a Christian, though, you yeah. already have the eyes. Yes, you already have that lens yes. through which to we see have the stories. To bring that you don't to need the
2: stories. It's not in there.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, we don't say that. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. All right, Sean. Did you want to say something else now? No, that's a great last word. All right, Heidi. Someone just walked past you, ghost-like, <laughs> yeah, it's, draped it's Lucy. in some.
2: Yeah, it's it's Lucy. That <laughs> was just a weird. I mean, we're doing this late at night, and a blanket that just walking by me. It's my daughter. D- it's my fourteen-year-old Drape,
0: daughter draped in large polka dots yes
2: that is true pineapples actually. Like, stars in, fall, <laughs> like
1: stars falling by the hundreds she fixing to make a fire out there somewhere yes
2: this is this is something
1: is, yeah it's, is that a, yeah that's, that's, that's the chrysalis
2: <laughs> but she's not emerging from it she's in, she yeah, gonna be gonna in gonna there say, for a good a, long yeah. time
0: <laughs> yeah soon as i said that i thought huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 in the context not really what i mean right. but um, all right, well, let's. It's getting late. Uh, we're recording this late at night here, and we both, we all got to read some Brothers K. So, um,
1: word,
0: you know, we're gonna. And well, you look like you got an, an event planned here, Heidi. You got. The, the <laughs> I got evening planned. I got
2: people over. I got wine to drink. You got
0: people over. Yeah, yeah. I
2: did my homework. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, enjoy that, uh, Sean and I are going to go. Um, ah, who would I kid? We're going to both procrastinate right. further.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm going to think but, about it though.
0: We'll, we will talk to you soon, thanks to everyone who's listening. Hopefully um, this has been a you know useful uh, and interesting conversation or two conversations on cormac McCarthy true legend uh whose, um, whose work will be there, but it's sad that we won't have more uh, more work and uh you know as as Sean indicated earlier, I guess you know it's the prayer that may his memory be eternal mm-hmm. um. So, all right. We will see you guys later. Uh, thanks to everybody f- who listens for for uh, contributing to the community and the conversation and all those great things. We appreciate y'all. All right. Till next time. Happy reading.